And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. And I want you to really put your hands together as Dr. Eric Gagnon comes to share. I want you to open your hearts, open your minds, and open yourself to the Holy Spirit as He comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, I almost said Gloria Adios. I just came from a Spanish church. So, <laughs> so Gloria Adios. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for the move of your spirit. We thank you for this state capital. We thank you for those that you've planted here in Tallahassee and regions beyond. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you have free reign to do whatever you want to do in this place. Touch the hungry hearts. Change them. Rearrange them. Do whatever it takes, Lord. Let them see you as, let them see you as you're meant to be seen. Lord, give them a revelation that as they follow you, that they will be fishers of men. I come against the spirit of timidity. I come against the spirit of fear. For the Lord's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you for boldness in the Holy Ghost through the love and compassion of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for that. Give them a revelation that soul winning is not a program, but a passion. Give them a revelation that souls are the currency of eternity Brand eternity in their hearts in the name of Jesus. Brand eternity in their hearts. Let them have a revelation that the only thing that counts when they breathe out their last breath is how many people they're bringing with you to the other side in the name of Jesus. And if you believe that, give the Lord a great shout of victory right now. Hallelujah. What a privilege and honor it is to be here at Evangel. I want to thank Pastor Terrell, Miss Kathy, and this great church for everything they're doing. And I was just wondering, how many thousands of services have you sat in this church when he told me from a little boy, you got, you, you, you were here at the founding of the church when they broke ground and you came to church here? I mean, the heritage of this place and this city and this church is amazing. Isn't that all? Thank God for godly pastors for, so it's a privilege to be here, Pastor. Miss Kathy, I'll tell you. I'm going to just quickly get my wife and kids to come up here. We travel as a family. I've had the privilege and honor of preaching the good news of the gospel in 30 countries of the world. And my family's grown up. My son, my family goes everywhere with us. And they've been all over the world. So we homeschool them and train them up and train them up in the way that they should go. Amen. And so I'm just going to get my wife to greet you and then... We'll see what happens here and we'll just put a, put a demand on the anointing. Amen. Everything you need is in his presence. If you put a demand on the anointing this morning from net, from, from the start to the finish, you will receive everything that heaven has for you. Can you say amen? Remember, religion will not save Tallahassee. Hello. Another church on a street corner will not save Tallahassee. Hello. Hola. Come on. It's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit working through you to a lost and dying world. Can you say amen? My wife, Jennifer, Pastor Jennifer. Hallelujah. Good morning. How many of you are so excited that you're washed in the blood of Jesus, that you're saved, that heaven is your home? I have my hand and my foot up on that one. Come on now. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Each and every one of us have so much to be thankful and grateful for. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now that he lives in us, we are his hands, we are his feet, and we are his mouthpiece to reach this world to cast a gospel net across this world, around this globe, to see souls get saved. And you know, God could have put you anywhere in the world, and he could have had you be born anytime. But you know what? He chose now, and he chose here. So each and every one of you have a heavenly mandate. And I want to challenge you that this week, in Jesus' name, that each and every one of you have an encounter with God like never before. And that a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And my prayer for each and every one of you is this, that you fulfill Everything that he has called you to do and in fulfilling the mandate that God has called you to do, that's where you will find your greatest level of satisfaction, gratification, and it's in that place that that the hand of God will rest heavily upon you. And you know, as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, as we run the heavenly race, guess what? You will never live a boring day. And you will embark on the greatest adventure. And you know, as you embark on the greatest adventure, guess what? Your faith will be activated. And that's exciting because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that faith works by love. And after all, it is his love that compels us. To tell others about him from the penthouse to the crack house, from the white house to the jail house. We want every house to at least hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Guess who he picked to go and tell? It's you. So may this week each and every one of you have that encounter with God. And may each and every one of you fulfill all that he's called you to do. So on that day, when you breathe out your last breath, if he tarries, may you hear and may I hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the Lord. God bless you in this week is your week. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, that's a lot on the menu. I like that. You got to put your order in. Amen. Elliot, you got anything you'd like to say? 
Hello, everybody. You're at, you're at the right place at the right time. This week will be awesome, and you'll get exactly what you need. So I recommend that you come to every single meeting. Hi, everybody. My name's Emily, and I would like to tell you that Jesus loves you, and he has a great plan for your life. So, everybody, I encourage you to win souls. <laughs> so... I like what Elliot said, so come to all these meetings and make sure you win souls. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Emily, just real quick, pray for him. Come on, pray for him real quick. Lord, I pray that these people, that when they win souls, they get exactly the, when they have their soul goal, they get exactly how many souls they pray for in Jesus' name. And that these people, whatever they put their, their hand to, it shall prosper. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God calls families, and we travel together and lift up the hands of Drs. Rodney and Adonica. You know, they traveled with their families all around the world, and we do the same. And uh, our kids are major soul winners. Our kids are major givers. Uh, you know, we were in an elevator one time, and Elliot was like three years old. We just came back from Africa, I believe. And uh, Elliot looked at a guy in the elevator and uh, said, if you died today, where would you go to heaven? And... Uh, the guy looked at Elliot and then looked at me and goes, oh, he's so cute. I said, well, where would you go? So we tag teamed. You know, when you're in an elevator and they say up or down, say, that's a very good question. Let me ask you a question. You have to use every opportunity you can to be a witness. Can you say amen? We just came back from Orlando, Florida, and we had a GAT. We started Sunday morning there. They have three services. And then Dr. Ronnie Harbron there, the whole Great Awakening team in Orlando, Florida last week, 6,200 decisions for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> if you don't get excited about that, I'm going to ask the pastor to lock all the doors and you're going to have to stay here all day. And I'm going to preach a gospel to you because all of heaven rejoices over one. And then over 500 church commitments that we're believing God, 500 brand new people will be added into the church this Sunday. So, hallelujah. Somebody says, how's that possible? Well, when you get on fire for God, you're going to burn for Jesus outside the four walls of the church. The Bible says in Acts 1-8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Who wants the power? Okay, that's a few hands. Who else would like some more power? The Bible says, after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power. Is that what it says? Acts 1.8. I mean, actually, I know I'm not in front of my Bible, but I'm re I know the Scripture. You shall receive power. Listen to this. And you shall be witnesses. Sounds like a command to me. Some people think the only people that are supposed to witness are evangelists. Most evangelists don't witness. They're called motivational speakers. And they go to churches. Hello. If your anointing doesn't work outside the four walls of the church, it didn't come from heaven. Hello. Now, I know I'm a little different. I wasn't raised in church, so I'm going to be a little bit different. I didn't go through a homiletics class to learn how to preach. 
I had an encounter with God outside the four walls of the church. Jesus became real to me, not through the in the four walls of the church. We thank God for the church. I mean, this is the key. The church should be in church every time the doors are open. Jesus loves the church. But you know what? There's a lost and dying world out there. You know, your band did an awesome job. I mean, they really did a great job praising the Lord and lifting his name higher. But what you have to realize is there's a whole lot of people here in Tallahassee that are not sitting in church right now. And if you don't tell them, I would like you to tell me who's going to do it. People go see a good movie, have no problem tweeting it, social media in it, calling their friends and say, oh man, you got to see this movie, it's just a knockout. But you know, we don't want to talk about Jesus outside the four walls of church, you know, we need to keep it private. Well, Jesus didn't hang privately. Hello. The Bible says, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Start with your dog, your parakeet. I don't care what you do, but you got to start somewhere. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Tallahassee. Jerusalem is Tallahassee. If you live here, this is Tallahassee. You might as well have said Tallahassee, Pensacola, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., and then China. You know, I mean, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Don't answer this question right now, but I'm going to ask you a question. You know, first of all, we're going to have a revival or a riot this week. You pick which one you want. Because revival, it turns everything upside down. Revival goes to the heart of the matter. Revival goes where it's needed the most. Can you say amen? People call, call out for the fire of God, but have no idea what they're asking for. The fire of God isn't just to shake, bake, and quake. The fire of God comes to burn out areas that need to be burned out. Hello. The fire of God, revival, when revival comes, it changes you. Revival is about falling in love with Jesus, all over with Jesus again. Re, you can't have revival if you've never had vival. Revival is revitalizing your relationship with Christ. You know, how many people know you can go to church and, and religion will not save, will not save Tallahassee. Religion always thinks it's better than everybody else. I'm going to just tell you, you have to be very careful. Because you can go to church, and, and even a great church like this, a great church like Dr. Ronnie's, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can go to church and become religious. Hello. Someone says, well, how do I know I'm religious? Well, if somebody sits in your seat and you manifest and it's a first-time visitor, you are religious. Hey, brother, you're sitting in my seat. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm a first-time visitor. I First time, last time I've been here 20 years. You better move. That's called religion. <laughs> I can prove it's my seat. I got five flavors of chewing gum underneath that seat. You better move. <laughs> Revival's about falling in love with Jesus all over again. And Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So who wants power? then your power is supposed to work outside the four walls of the church to be a fisher of men. Can you say amen? And that's what's going to happen this week. God is going to reprioritize your priorities. When revival comes, it makes you a better husband, makes you a better wife, makes you a better child, makes you a better student, makes you a better employee, makes you a better employer, makes you a better giver, makes you worship better, makes you stu you know, study the word better. Revival brings... Revival changes everything in your life and makes you better at everything that you already are. Can you say amen? And that's what's going to happen this week. Somebody said, well, when are you going to start preaching? I started about five minutes ago. 
I'm just flowing with the Holy Ghost. So Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. But you got to want the power. And you know, remember, Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter. He doesn't, you know, you know, he doesn't go to the, he doesn't go to the head. He goes straight to the heart. People get saved in their heart. They don't get saved in their head. The gospel is not an intellectual message. Hello. The Apostle Paul, which wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, said, My speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power, that your faith should rest in the your faith should not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Hello. I'm here to tell you God's going to turn your world upside down. Rearrange your schedule this week. Don't say, God, I'm coming Wednesday night. You got one shot. Praise God. No, you rearrange your schedule. Don't tell God to rearrange His. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. You have to get desperate. You have to get hungry. You have to press in. Revival gets the church ready for the harvest. Who who in here wants to win souls? Who in here needs to win souls? Listen close to me. Don't raise your hand right now. Take this year, 2016, which is almost over. How many souls personally, one-on-one, have you led to the Lord this year? And I'm just asking you to reflect on yourself because we're about done with the year right now. How many people have you engaged outside the four walls of the church? I've been to 30 countries of the world preaching and teaching on soul winning and power evangelism. I can honestly tell you 95% of Sunday morning Christians have never led one to the Lord. 50% of all pastors have never led one person to the Lord outside the four walls of the church. Yet we have the greatest message ever told. we got the Savior of the world living on the inside of us. But if you're not careful, you'll become politically correct when you're supposed to be biblically correct. Hello. Someone says, well, what if they don't like me? They already don't like you. They ain't never liked you. They don't like you. Don't like where you dress. They don't like you when you're a blonde, brunette, or redhead. It don't matter. They don't like your shoes. They don't like you. It doesn't matter. It ain't about liking nobody. It's about lifting the name of Jesus higher. It's about lifting the name of Jesus higher. Hallelujah. Someone says, well, what if they deny me? They're not denying you. They're denying him. So revival makes you what you ought to be. Can you say amen? Religion is man's vain attempt to reach God. But Christianity is God reaching man through the person of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Someone says, well, how do I know if I'm religious? I do love the Lord. Well, religion is anything you do over and over again and you feel empty. Hello? That's called religion. Religion focuses on sin and condemns people for it. Jesus comes to set the sinners free. Hello. There is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Listen, Jesus went to go to, and I'm just flowing here. This is important. Jesus, Zacchaeus was a rich man, a little short. Last church we were in, the pastor was 5'5", five, five, and before he got up, he's said something about being short. I wish I was taller. I said, listen, Zacchaeus was a little old guy, a short guy, and he got so on fire for Jesus, he climbed up, he climbed up a tree and got out on the limb. Do you know why when you climb up on a tree, you get out on a limb? Because the fruit's out on the limb. And Zacchaeus was so hungry and desperate for God, he cried out, climbed up a tree. Well, that wasn't politically correct. Hello. He was so hungry and desperate. 
But you want to know what? He was short. So I told the pastor, I said, Zacchaeus was short and he was rich. So you have scriptural proof to be rich. You should be happy. I mean, you just pull on anything you can get. You just reach out and snatch it. You get it. Well, that went over real good. You guys are saying, what's up with this guy? Listen, God anoints you with the personality you have. You need to be who you are. And you need to reach a lost and dying world. Can you say amen? And Zacchaeus climbed up on a tree and got out on a limb. But you want to give me the, the personified religion? Religion? Then Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus knows how to reach the poor and he knows how to reach the rich. He knows how to reach everybody. Hello. Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. Well, that was a real, that was a real problem. Because religion and the Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't seize and couldn't seize, couldn't see it. You know why they were, <laughs> you know why they were called the Sadducees, right? They were sad, you see. I mean, these guys were not happy. It's very funny, very funny. <laughs> you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not have a ministry called I Suck on Lemons Incorporated, okay? People, nobody will get saved. <laughs> and he went to his house, and all the religious people said, Sinner! You know, because you can't say sinner. You can't just say sinner. I mean, he was a sinner. No, sinner! I mean, you gotta, you gotta hype it up a bit. You know what I'm saying? He went to be with a sinner. You know, I mean, people are afraid to be seen around a sinner. Well, how in the world are we gonna get anybody saved if we don't talk to a sinner? Give me a break. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd be on the street corner. Come on. Hello. Religion would have kept Zacchaeus up the tree, but Jesus went to have lunch with him. Hallelujah. What about the woman caught in the very act of adultery? That means somebody was watching. Pervert. Man, I'm going to rock your world this morning. I'm going to flip things upside down here because it's going to take some people that are going to be radical and step out of the four walls of the church and preach the good news of the gospel. I'm going to tell you, Tallahassee is going to be shaken this week. God is going to shake everything about you. If you'll press in, God will shake everything. Pastor, is it okay if I come down? I'm coming down. I'm going to look at you and say, what are you doing? Well, you're looking at me. I'm looking at you. I'm checking out what I got to work with here today. The woman caught in the very act of adultery. You know, they bring her to Jesus and they say, and, G, and they got the rocks. Hey, let's kill her, Jesus. I mean, the law says we should kill this lady. Here, here's your rock, Jesus. And Jesus simply says, let the person that hasn't sinned cast the very first stone. I mean, and then all we know is Jesus bent down and rode in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote in the sand, does it? It doesn't tell us. But whatever he wrote caused them all to drop their rocks. I mean, we don't have scriptural proof for this, but whatever he wrote in the sand caused all of them to drop their rocks. How about this? Who were you with last night, Jack? You know, and Jack drops his rock. I don't know what happened. I mean, we don't know what he wrote, but whatever he wrote caused them all to drop their rocks. Now, he looks at the woman and says, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. He said, I don't accuse you. Oh, by the way, this is Jesus I'm talking about, just so everybody knows. Whether this would work today or not, it will because it's the gospel. But in religion, it don't work. Religion says stone or kill or get rid of that woman. Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, I don't have any. He did say, go and sin no more. We don't condone sin. But you know, everybody wants, religion wants to catch a fish, fillet it, put it on the front row and make sure it tithes. But you got to catch a fish before you clean it. 
Religion wants to catch a fish filleted, man, fillet a fish, praise God. No, you need to catch a fish and then let the Holy Ghost clean, clean it up. You go up to some hoochie mama on the street corner. Religion says, look at you, girl, you're going to hell. Yeah, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, it'd be you on the corner. Hello. You got to see people like Jesus sees people. Each person is precious and there's no such thing as a lost cause. There's no such thing as a lost cause. Hallelujah. You get some girl saved, let's say she is a prostitute. You know, so what? She's, she's in sin. She's lost. Now she comes found. I don't care if she comes to shirt to church with, with a, a low cut shirt and a short dress on. None, nobody, no lady should even say anything. Put her on the front row. Let the Holy Ghost clean her up. We don't condone that, but I mean, you gotta let the Holy Ghost work on people. Come on, give me a break. Religion's gotta clean you up. Oh, you can't come to church. Look how you dressing, girl. Well, that's how come people don't come to church. Bunch of hypocrites with their noses up in the air. Somebody says, are you talking about me? I don't know. I hope not. Some say, you can't say stuff like that. No, we can. Because the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be proclaimed over all the earth. Revelation 12.11 says, And they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their life unto the death. Even though I'm not going through my... Re, you know, I'm giving you scripture references. I'm giving you the scripture. I'm quoting them to you. So I am actually preaching out of the Bible. So nobody go out of here and say he didn't even open his Bible. That's absolutely not true. Revelation twelve eleven. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Think about this. If they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, who believes the blood of the Lamb is powerful? Okay, then how about the word of your testimony? How's that? Because Jesus said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. When's the last time you shared your testimony outside the four walls of the church? When's the last time you told people what Jesus did for you? When's the last time that people saw Jesus in your eyes and felt Jesus in your touch? When's the last time you were bold enough to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he did in my life and what he'll do for you. I'm here to tell you, you have to allow God to use you. You have to allow God to flow through you. It's one thing being touched by God, it's another thing in allowing the Lord to flow through you. Hallelujah! You know, the woman at the well, Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to her, the woman of Samaria. But you want to know what? He, he said, you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with now is not your husband. He, you could say he had a word of knowledge. He had the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are used for the lost. The gifts of the Spirit are the calling cards for the lost. Every single person in here should be operating on a daily or a weekly basis in the nine gifts of the Spirit. The power gifts, the utterance gifts, and the revelation gifts. Every one of you should be operating in the gifts of the, gifts of the Spirit. Hello. Somebody said, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, that might be a good thing. Listen, the, the Bible says they eagerly desire the best gifts. It didn't say if you were in the fivefold ministry. Every single person is supposed to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And Jesus said, you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with is not your husband. Now, how many people know that would even be a little stretch nowadays in 2016, but 2,000 years ago, that was out there. So what did Jesus do? Condemn her, rebuke her. What? No. She went, she said, she, the disciples came back and said, why are you talking to this woman? What in the world are you doing? I mean, how can you talk to her? Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost people. And you want to know what he said? She went back to the town and she said, I met a man. Come and see a man. And if anybody knew men, it was her. 
She said, come and see a man like I've never seen before. And she brought the entire town of Samaria. A woman with five that had five husbands and was living with somebody was the vehicle of choice for Jesus Christ to reach an entire city. Come on, get rid of religion. Get rid of tradition. God has a way to get this thing done. Can you say amen? And all of Samaria came out and heard the gospel and received the gospel because of a woman that Jesus was willing to talk to that was what some people would have called a lost cause. Listen, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You know what? You might not be be able to quote everything in the Bible. You might not even have it all together. You might be under construction. A work in progress, which I am, and you are, but you want to know what? If God can use anybody, He's going to use you. If God's going to use anybody, He's going to use you. Don't complain about anything if you're not willing to do anything about it. Hello, the only hope for America is a great spiritual awakening. The only hope for D.C. I'm upset with what's happening in D.C. Well, you better preach J.C. Because the only hope for America is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Someone said, where did you get this guy from? Listen, I'm tame. What did Dr. Rodney get here tonight? It's all over. I mean, come on, man. It's about making a difference in our environment where we're at. Hello, with you, with your personality, with the way you are. But Jesus is Lord. Can you say amen? Well, the whole political thing, I'm not getting into the whole thing. You guys here in Tallahassee, I'm sure you guys are overdosed in it. But listen to me. The only way to save America is a heart change. And the only one that changes hearts is Jesus. So if the church doesn't rise up and fulfill the Great Commission, tell me how it's going to happen. Christian television, are you giving me a break? Most people on Christian television, I mean, we love, we love, we honor the fivefold ministry. But you want to know what? The world's not watching Christian television. They don't understand it. And most of Christian television is about raising an offering because the rates are so high that a preacher can't even be on TV if they don't make a lot of money. So they got to spend most of the time talking about their new book and their new series and all this because of the way it's set up. Now, thank God for Brother Bob D'Angelo with Christian Television Network. It's different with him as far as us. He puts us on for free. Because, and we've seen just on Christian Television Network and everything, we've done over 10.3 million decisions in the last six years. Isn't that powerful? Because we mobilize. This ministry is about mobilizing people. If you don't get mobilized this week, then we failed with you. You got to get mobilized. Now, just give me a couple minutes here. I know church gets out at a certain time and all this, but you know, if you are desperate for revival, Then the man that was lame, his friends couldn't get into the building because there was too many people. But his friends, his four friends, said, listen, we can't get you in the front door. Bless God, we're going to go through the roof. See, that's the type of hunger and thirst you need to have an encounter with God. That's what you need to get everything that God has for you. If you don't, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. And bless God, the four men came with their paralytic friend. They ripped up a roof and they let him down. 20, you know, 2,000 years later, that's called vandalism. And you can look at any billboard out here on the highway, and you've got a lot of lawyers you could call to take care of that. 2,000 years ago, Jesus called it faith. Hallelujah. you got to get hungry. you got to get desperate. you got to press in. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, I'm getting my miracle today. I'm not getting it tomorrow. I'm getting it today. Today is the day of salvation.
Well, I'm going to pray him in, Brother Eric. Yeah, you can pray all you want. You ought to get up and do something. Because faith without works is dead. Pray, yes, pray, 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 pray. Pray like it all depends on God and go like it all depends on you. Hello. Someone said, are you angry? I am I'm passionate. I'm a passionate person. I'm not angry. I'm a passionate person. I'm just saying, we've heard these messages all our whole life, many people in here that have been in the church their whole life, yet we do nothing outside the four walls of the church. I pray Jesus brands himself on you with eternity this week. I pray Jesus brands himself on you that you will never see people the same again. Hallelujah. Now, I wasn't raised in church. The Bible says, you know, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and loved not their life to the death. Listen close. I'll do the abbreviated version. By the time I was 16, I was drinking up to a case of beer a day. I had good parents. I had good parents. They tried to teach me the right way. But when you're a teenager, you're smarter than your parents. Until you get about 30, some people it takes like 50, then they come around. But, you know, when you're a kid, my dad, I come from a military family. I'm a veteran myself. My family was all in the military. My dad said, my way or the highway, I thought the highway looked better. I was out on my own when I was just after 16. I was 17. My dad signed for me to go in the military early, and he was happy, and I was happier. I'm not getting into I don't have time to get into the whole testimony. But I, I will tell you this part about that. I, I was going the wrong way. I was looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. I was looking for him through alcohol, through all the different things. I tried to fill a void in my heart that only Jesus could fill. I didn't know nothing about God. I knew God. I believed in God, but I definitely wasn't serving him. Someone said, why didn't you go to church? My dad worked three jobs so my mom could stay home and raise five kids. So Sunday was a day you worked. Hello in my family. So I went with my dad from the time I was seven years old on almost every day after school for a few hours and had to work in a construction company to help put food on the table. So I come from a different type of situation. So we didn't go to church, but my parents believed in God. We said prayer at the table and all of that stuff, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. So here I am in the United States Navy now on the back of an aircraft carrier, jet engine mechanic all around the world, still drinking, partying, coming back to shore, coming back, ladies' night, every night of the week. There's a ladies' night every night of the week if you know where it's at. I was in all the wrong places and doing the wrong things. I'm not proud of that. But you know what? I was trying to fill a void in my heart that only Jesus could fill. Then I had no money. I had to work. I got out of the military. Thought my mom was going to die. She didn't. But, you know, I was the only one that ever got out. The end result was I got a job and I took a job in sales. Someone said, why'd you do that? Because sales is what you do till you get a real job. Little did I know I would do good at it because I was a hard worker and different things. I went on to have a multi-million dollar company legally. By the time I was 21, I was driving my first Porsche and bought my first house. Everybody said, drug dealer. You know, because when you're 21 driving a Porsche, boning your own house, you are a drug dealer. I mean, I was wondering why the parents wouldn't let me play football on the streets with the kids. You a drug dealer. Wasn't no drug dealer, but obviously you're making a lot of money. So now money became my gods. I was trying to fill a void in my heart with fame and position and money. I was in direct sales. I had several offices by the, within a couple years. 
And little did I know, nothing wrong with making a quarter of a million, but come on, half a million, you know what I'm talking about. Nothing wrong with a half a million, but come on, seven digits, come on, you know what I'm talking about. So there's nothing wrong with money. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money is not evil. Hello. Love of money is evil. But I was trying to fill a void in my heart with now money and houses and people would go up, how you doing, sir? You go, what you, what type of, is that Rolex? That thing clicking or sweeping? Boy, that's nice. Yeah, let me look at that. And then, you know, it was about keeping up with the Joneses. You know a man by his shoes. You know what I'm saying? Got those alligators, got those skins on. Not that anybody in Tallahassee is like this. I'm from Jacksonville, Tallahassee. I mean, um, there's no way, I'm sure. People want to know, how you doing, man? Where are you living at now? They don't give a rip where you live. They just don't want you to be in a better neighborhood than them. Give a rip where you live. Uh, I gotta be. Anyways, I'm having fun. Too much fun. But I was trying to fill a void in my heart now with money and all these other things, but only Jesus could fill it. Then I had a rich guy. The richest guy I knew that actually went on to be a, have a Fortune 500 company, self-made millionaire, the guy that taught me how to make money, him and his, his partner became Fortune 500, self-made millionaire. You know, that's what America's about. America's about entrepreneurship. America's about the American dream. America's about you pressing into God, putting your hand to something, and whatever you put your hand to shall prosper. That's what this country's about. This country's about everybody can succeed and nothing is impossible with God. There ain't nobody in here that can't do whatever God's called you to do. Hello. He said, I'd like to talk to you. I said, oh, yes, sir. This is a millionaire, man. Lived in the biggest house I ever seen. Drove the nicest car I ever seen. Remember, I wasn't raised in money and I wasn't raised poor. We always had food on the table, but I don't ever remember more than three or four times ever going out to eat in my entire childhood. Because how do you take a family of five, six, seven out to eat? It's very expensive. So, I mean, I wasn't poor. I don't want anybody to think I didn't win days without eating. No, I ate. But I would have, we definitely weren't wealthy or anything close to that. I understand. I understand. Don't worry. We're going to sew the buffet into the Baptist crab legs today. Praise God. Just work with me for a second. I know. Man... We're coming here for a revival. We got one shot at this. We're gone. It's all over. It's only what's left that matters. It's only what's left that matters. If you don't get impacted, then, then we go on. We're going to have revival wherever we go. You want to know why? Someone said, how can you say that? Because greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. You are an incubator and you are a carrier of revival. And everywhere you go, revival will happen. And you don't take any glory. He gets all the glory. But you are revival waiting to happen. You are a mass crusade waiting to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyways, he comes up to me. He goes, man, I like you. I said, oh, yes, sir. Are you talking to the right person? Because I want to make some money, man. I'm making some serious money my whole life. I'm going to make some money. I'm getting out of my pit that I've been in. And he sat down with me. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, you talking to the right person? Yes, sir. He said, if you die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? I went home. I mean, inside I went, hmm. I was acting like I was thinking about him. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking, where's the money, honey? Where's the bread, Fred? Where's the dojo? I mean, how's that going to make me some money? Someone said, you ain't, you're serious. I am very serious. Very serious. 
And then I had to answer him. And I'm going to teach you something. And then I'm going to start closing, tell you what happened, and pray for some people. But listen close to me. You better get this. If you get this, you'll get it. When he said, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? I said, hmm, yes. And you said, hold on, Brother Eric. Didn't you say you were drinking? You were in clubs. You were doing these things. You were a lover of money. Didn't you say those things? How could you say you were going to heaven? Now listen close. And if you get this, Tallahassee could be shaken. The people outside the four walls of the church are a lot of good people. We all know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ. The only way someone goes to the Father is if they've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We understand that, but I'm talking about non-church. Forget church for a second. Everybody out there that's not in church right now. Number one answer in the world when we ask people, and we've asked millions of people this question, if you died today, do you know where for sure you go to heaven? Usually it's yes, and when you say why, number one answer in all the world is I'm a good person. Number one answer in all the world is I'm a good person. So when I said I would go to heaven, I wasn't basing it on a sinless Jesus that came from heaven and died on a cross and was raised again on the third day. I was comparing myself to the evening news where somebody just blew something up, shot somebody, robbed a bank, raped somebody, killed somebody. I was not comparing myself to a sinless Jesus. I was comparing myself to CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, and all the other, Fox News and all the other ones. So he kind of laughed at me, you know, when I said I'd go to heaven. I said, yeah, I'm a good person. I said, if a little old lady crosses the street, I'd be the first to help her. And I promise you I would. I would be the first to open the door. My dad taught me those things. I would be the first to help people. If someone dropped their groceries, I'd be the first out there to help them. So I now had to answer him. I said, yeah, I'd go to heaven. And he says, why? And I tell him I'm a good person. You know, the amazing thing is... I didn't accept the Lord that day. He gave me an opportunity to get saved. I wish I would have. It was a thick head. If you don't believe me, ask my parents. They'll tell you. It's funny. And uh, so I didn't ask. I wish I would have. But you know, he didn't take a hair out of his head, get his Holy Ghost Bic lighter, light that baby on fire and say, Boy, you smell that? You're going to hell! Because you you can't say hell. Hell. I mean, you got to make hell sound bad. You're going to hell! You know, you got to raise it. You got to get the pitch up there. You got to smell that, that hair burning. You going to hell. You smell that sulfur. You go burn, baby, burn. You burning. You know what that's called? That's called religion. Because the Holy Ghost is the one that convicts people of their sin, not you. Religion convicts people of their sin. You smoking, you're going to hell. You look like a chimney, you're going to hell. You're drinking that cold 45, you're going to hell. You smoking a joint, you're going to hell. Listen, yeah, well, everybody's going to hell if they didn't accept Jesus Christ, but when you tell them they're going to go to hell, do you think they're going to say, could you tell me a little bit more about that? That sounds interesting. We've done a lot of crusades in New York. You tell a New Yorker they're going to hell, they'll say, you go to hell. Might be the same here in Tallahassee. Or in other words, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. We don't water down the gospel, but you cannot show me any place in the New Testament. Find one and show it to me then. In the New Testament where Jesus went up, and we'll use modern day vernacular, where Jesus went up to an unsaved person, or let's just say unchurched person, using modern day vernacular, where Jesus went up to someone that wasn't a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or in church, and totally ripped them apart. Show me in the New Testament where it is. Show me where it is. 
Now you want to talk about who he ripped apart? The Pharisees and Sadducees. You whitewash sepulchres full of dead man's bones. You make one convert. You make them twice the devil of hell as you. You're the blind leading the blind. Who was Jesus talking to? The religious order of the day. Religion has its nose so far up it can never reach anybody. You got to look at people are valuable. People are valuable in every walk of life and in every color of skin. Everybody is valuable. Everybody is valuable. Hello. So I didn't accept the Lord. But you want me to tell you something about this, brother? Two weeks later, he said, Eric, can I talk to you? I said, oh, I've been here before. And he shared Christ with me. Did you know for not one year, not two years, not three years, not four years, but for five years, he never stopped sharing the love of Christ with me? For five years, this man that had everything money could buy, self-made millionaire, never stopped sharing Jesus with me. Somebody says, what do you call that? A friend. A friend. Hallelujah. A friend cares about a friend's eternal destination. A friend cares where their friend's going to spend eternity. There's two in the field. One is taken, the other's left. There's two women grinding at the mill. One is taken and the other's left. And as a religious believer, we'd be like, Lord, take me out of this mess. Get me out of here, Lord. Split that eastern sky. I'm ready to get up on out of here. Hello. But you know, while you're getting up out of there, while you're leaving, and while you're meeting Jesus in the air, and what a great and wonderful day that'll be. There's two women grinding at the mill. One's taken and the other's left. Two working in the field, one's taken and the other's left. So while you're taken out of your job, the person you've worked to, you're with for the last six, eight, ten years is saying, Why did you tell me? Why did you tell me? But don't worry about it. You're going to meet him in the air. Not sharing the good news of the gospel is the most selfish thing you could ever do in your entire life. You have the saving message of Christ. You have eternity. You have the eternal answer for everybody's soul. Yet, it might be a little awkward for you to step out. Someone said, man, I don't like this guy. Man, this is too bold. No, it's not too bold. This is what the message of Christ is all about. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Someone says, what if they don't accept? What if they do? I'm just going to ask you, okay, what if they do? What about me? I've been to 30 countries of the world preaching the gospel. I had the privilege of seeing... Through this ministry, literally millions and millions and millions and millions of souls saved and thousands, thousands, thousands of churches and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people impacted with the gospel. Yet, I had a guy witness to me that I pushed off and didn't want to have anything to do with. That was a seed that was placed. Little did I know I would, I would, I would, on my own, on my own, with no calamity in my life, that, that the word of God kept pounding on my spirit and my heart so much that finally one day with no calamity, I didn't go bankrupt, I didn't all of a sudden get in a car accident or anything, I got down on my knees in my house all by myself with nobody around, and I messed the prayer all up. If you were religious, you would have failed me. I said, Lord, if the offer is still available, because I push it away so long, I said, I'm a loser. I mean, I said the prayer like I know how to say it. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm a loser. I make, I've done these terrible things. Lord, I believe Jesus is Lord. Come into my heart. Save me. 
Amen. That was it. That was the prayer. I mean, it was simple, but it was from the heart. Immediately, I felt a peace that passes all understanding. Immediately, I had a void filled in me because it came from my heart. I had a void filled in me that no alcohol, no relationship, no money, no car, no vehicle, no house could fulfill. I really had a true encounter with God. I was born again. I had a relationship with the living God, not with a church building or a church on TV. And I love church. You should be in church every time it's open. But listen, we lift the name of Jesus higher. And Jesus, we lift the name of Jesus higher and he draws all, and the Holy Spirit draws all men to him. Can you say amen? I got so hungry and desperate for God, I got off that floor a changed person. I never read the Bible before. Who can understand the these and the thous and the begets? I couldn't understand none of that stuff. But when I bought the Bible on tape, it just became alive to me. And I started learning about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. First time I ever saw a fish on, I learned a fish symbol means a Christian. That's before I know it turned, knew it turned into a piranha. I didn't know, you know, uh, you cut somebody off on the I-10 with a fish, you're going to be in some serious trouble. You're going to have jaws come after you or a piranha. But see, before I knew that, I thought fish symbol meant love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, I thought the whole gospel thing, you know. And I saw a fish sign on the back of someone's car in a parking lot. I screeched my tires. Hey, hey, buddy, you, you saved. You got a fish on your car. He was like, what? I said, that fish, you, you got a fish on your car. Are you saved? He goes, yeah, kind of skeptical. And I started talking about Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes, man, you on fire. I said, I'm on fire. He said, how long you been saved? I said, two weeks. Praise God, two weeks. See, religion comes to put your fire out. Religion calls and wants you just to be all dignified, sitting on the front row, the second row, not doing, give me a break. When the fire of God comes, it's going to compel you to tell the lost and dying world. When the fire of God comes, you're going to be sharing your testimony. And don't let no religious wet blanket put your fire out. Some of y'all need your fire lit again in Jesus' name. You used to be radical. You used to be out there. You used to share the gospel with everybody, but now you become politically correct last thing we need is a politically correct person right now we need someone biblically correct go ye into all the world and preach a gospel to every creature hello now i only got one shot at this so i'm giving it all i got i love you but you know what nobody could have reached me inside of four walls of the church i wasn't there A man in the world that I was in had enough faith and had a relationship with Christ enough to put everything on the line and tell me his testimony and tell me about Christ. And I'm thankful to that man that he did that. And let me ask you a question. When's the last time you shared your testimony outside the church? Who in here the Lord saved you? Could you tell somebody? I mean, could you tell somebody outside the church? Who in here has the Lord ever healed? Could, could you tell somebody outside the church? Who in here has ever had a terrible difficulty, but the Lord gave you a way of escape? Could you tell somebody? Could you just tell them? Hallelujah. Someone says, well, what would they think? A hundred years from now, it won't matter what they think. The end result of the whole thing was I met my wife-to-be, Jennifer. We've been married 25 years this year. 25 years this year. Fell in love with her. I asked her to marry me. She said yes. I said hallelujah. Because when you get saved, you become bilingual. Someone says, what do you mean bilingual? You speak Christianese. 
Christianese is using words you never used. I never went to a bar and said, I'll take a double scotch. Hallelujah. I never, I promise you, once in my life ever did that. I never went to a bar and ordered a beer and said, bless coming in and bless going out. I never did ever in my life say that. So when you get saved, you pick up another language. I like to call it Christianese. It's like a Pentecostal preacher going through a drive-thru. Doesn't even know what he's doing. Goes through a drive-thru. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Give me a double cheeseburger. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him now. Give me some of those golden fries. Give me a, oh yeah, hot apple pie. And hold on a second. I'm hearing from headquarters. Yes, Lord. Supersize. You know, I mean, I mean, that's like a Pentecostal preacher going through a drive-thru. Right. And then he pulls up to the window, doesn't have a clue what he said, doesn't have a clue. He said any of that. And the woman behind the counter goes, "Uh, are you in the ministry? Praise God, sister. You felt the anointing, didn't you? You felt the anointing. You don't feel no anointing. You carried your pulpit in your driver's seat with you. You speak in Christianese. I'm just having fun with you. But I mean, (laughs) funny. Got to admit it. Hallelujah. Very funny. Very funny. And just have, is it okay to have a good time? Is it okay to have a good time? I think it's okay to have a good time. Um, and then the end result was asked for Mary. She said, yes, I said, hallelujah. She's a church organist in a Lutheran church, played liturgy. Anybody from an Anglican background? Okay. Well, in an Anglican background, I'm not from any, I'm from a heathen background, but she's from an Anglican background. And she, the way it works in an Anglican church is you got the priest and the organist and they flow together. It's like, would the ushers come down the row? <clears throat> it's a whole thing. It's pretty cool. It's phenomenal. Little choir boy walks. All the lights are on. He's got a candle. goes like this. I don't know. I don't understand all of it, but it's fun. I like it. And then I asked her to marry me. She said, yes. I said, hallelujah. The end result was one month before we get married. We had a blood test. She went in, no problem. I went in, big problem. What do you do one month before you get married when you find out you're HIV positive from a wild life of sin? You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's consequences to sin. You can rob a bank, go to prison, and ask Jesus to forgive you, and you will be totally 100% forgiven of your sins. But you will have a prison ministry. Or in other words, there are consequences to sin. And I know some of y'all are thinking, when the pastor asked people to greet people, I shook his hand. It's going to be okay because we got wet wipes on the way out. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) Wet wipes on the way out. Antibacterial things. No problem. Someone said, what did you do? I cried like a baby. You kidding? I'm getting married in a month. I just got saved. I mean, what are you talking about? My whole, I got a business, got everything. It looks like my whole life finally turned around. Now I've now got AIDS. I'm HIV positive. So I walk up to her. I said, honey, the wedding's off. She said, why? I told her she cried. I cried. Do you know, she came up to me three days later. And she said, honey, I never thought I'd fall in love. I thought I never would get married. She said, I would rather die than not marry you. The wedding's on. She married me HIV positive. <laughs> Hallelujah. She died for me. She married me when I was HIV positive and put it all on the line. Only people that knew was my parents, her parents, and our priest. That's the only people you tell. So, yeah, I kiss her in church. You better believe it. I'll do it again. You better watch out. My mom's from Alabama. She said, boy, she's a country lady. She said, boy. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, as a good woman, you better hold on to her. I said, yes, ma'am, I have, I will, and I have for 25 years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
when you can, no shot or no pill can answer your question. What do you do when you're facing an impossible situation and there's no answer? What do you do when you have a death sentence over your life? What do you do when nobody understands? What do you do when you have a secret you can tell nobody? You know how that messes with your mind? Do you have any understanding of how that messes with your mind? I went to your website, Pastor. I saw you taught on faith a lot in the last few weeks or whatever. You know, the Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for. Let me tell you something about the loser devil. Let me tell you something about him. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If the devil can ever steal your hope or make you hope less, then you're faithless. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So maybe the devil can't get you to go out and do some crazy thing or terrible thing in sin. All he's got to do is tell you what you're going through is impossible. All he's got to do is steal your hope. All he's got to do is to get you to be hopeless in the situation you're in. Because faith is a substance of things Hoped for. So when you have an incurable disease, the enemy comes to your mind and he batters you like a battering ram telling you you're going to die. Let me help you with something. Don't ever agree with the spirit of death. Did you ever agree with the spirit of death? Did you ever agree with the spirit of death? The Bible says if two agree, when it's your time you go, but don't ever agree with the spirit of death. The devil wants you to come into agreement with the spirit of death. Don't do it. So the devil is a hope thief. End result of the whole thing. Remember, I got one shot at this. This is my only shot. This is what I'm going for. So I I felt like it was all over. I had to press into Jesus. What else am I going to press into? I asked the guy, give me a shot, give me a pill. This is 25 years ago. You think AIDS has a stigma now? Go back 27 years ago and say you're HIV positive. If you sneezed, there would be an epidemic of people trying to get out of your way. The stigma? Are you kidding me? You don't tell nobody. Going through T-cell counts, viral loads, all this junk, washing the counters down with bleach, counseling, not Christian counseling, worldly counseling. Are you kidding me? But God. But God. We get married, go to church one day, Lutheran church, liturgical church. They don't believe in miracles. They love Jesus, but they're not, it's not a full charismatic Lutheran church. Priest comes out one day dressed in a robe. I never seen nothing like it before. I mean, to me, it looked like a dress. They call him father dressed like mother. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, he had the big old robe thing on. It looked like a dress to me. I don't know. I'm not from church. I don't know nothing about stuff. They call him father dressed like mother. Then he had a cross on. I'm not talking about some little old cross. I'm talking about a bling bling at six inch, eight inch cross like this. I mean, the guy's got this big old cross on like this. And I'm thinking Dracula. Because I had never seen no cross except in a Dracula movie. I, I'm not raised in church. So I've seen people wear crosses, but never making a serious statement like that. I'm thinking, geez, this place is pretty wild up up here. So he comes out, looks like a dress. He's got the cross, the little guy, the candles, the whole bit. I'm like, wow, this is pretty wild. Then the lady gets up to read the scripture of the day. Because you don't bring Bibles or nothing, you know. So a lady gets up, reads the scripture out of James. James chapter 5. Basically paraphrase, call the elders of the church, the, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. 
I didn't even know God could heal people because the, the Southern Baptist brother that, that witnessed to me for five years only told me how to get saved. I didn't know nothing else. So when I saw that in the Bible, he said, anybody that's sick, it was a once a year service. You could have had a cold. You could have had cancer. You could have, it didn't matter. Anybody that's sick, I'm the priest. I'm going to have the elders here and I'm going to take oil and I'm going to anoint you with oil. I mean, because it's what the Bible says. So it was like a traditional service. Well, it wasn't a traditional service for me. Not when you have AIDS. And you just got married. And I went up there, bless God, I stood at attention from when I was in the military. I stood at attention and grabbed the side of my pants. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, Jesus, this is a little wild, but I'm going to go for it. He comes up with a little jar of oil. Oil? What are you talking about oil? I was a mechanic. Oil is what you put in the engine for lubrication. I mean, what is oil? I didn't know oil represented the Holy Ghost. How do you know stuff like that? So he puts a little dab of oil on his finger and then he sings. Because if you're a priest, you have to be able to sing. That's why I'm not a priest. And he said, and he made a cross. He said, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So he sang it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then he took a cross of oil and put it on my forehead. And when he put the cross of oil on my forehead, the oil was burning hot. First thing I didn't think was I'm getting my miracle. First thing I thought was the choir boy nuked it too long in the microwave. I thought he put it in there and hit the popcorn setting. I don't know. Maybe he got to heat the oil up for it to work. How do you know these things? So then I start thinking, man, that oil is extremely hot. Then I think they branded me like some weird type of church membership. Like, shh, oh, you've seen people with the crosses on their arm. Oh, hey, yeah, First Lutheran, me too. They put mine on my head. I didn't know, <laughs> but I felt a peace that passed all understanding. You know what? It felt like I was born again, again. I felt a peace that passed all understanding. I didn't fall down, shake, bake, or quake, but I felt good. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. And somebody said, what happened? I went back to my seat. My wife said, what happened? I said, I don't know. The oil was hot. You know, I don't know why you wore a dress today. The whole bit, I went to the whole thing with her. And I went through the whole thing, and then I go back for my T-cell count a while, a few weeks later. I said, Doc, could I have another AIDS test? He said, why? I said, the priest, the robe, it looked like a dress, the cross, the oil was hot. I went through the whole thing. He must have been Spanish. He said, el loco. So I'm not sure. But he thought I was a granola bar, all fruit and some nuts. So, And I thought I was too. And so he gave me another AIDS test, and I went back several weeks later, actually November. It was November. I believe 26, 27 years ago, I went back to uh, to his office, and it was on Thanksgiving Day. Somehow, I don't know why they were open, but they were open. I was on the way with my mom's to get some turkey and giblet gravy. Hello. And I was on my way there. I stopped by the office. I said, hey, Doc. He said, have a seat. I said, no, if it's okay with you, I'm going to stand. What's up, Doc? And he said, this is the darndest thing I ever seen. I said, talk to me. He said, this test shows you're not HIV positive. You're HIV negative. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody said, what did you do? I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I know what it's like to be lost and now found. I know what it's like to be dead and now alive. I serve Jesus because he's my savior. I serve Jesus because he's my deliverer. I serve Jesus because he's my healer. I don't serve Jesus because my parents serve Jesus. I don't serve Jesus because someone tried to indoctrinate me in anything. I serve Jesus because I got a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I 
serve a God that nothing is impossible with God. I serve a God that's on the throne. I serve a God that still answers by fire. I still serve a God that still performs miracles today. I serve a God that'll save your family. I serve a God that'll save the school system. I serve a God that will change Washington. I serve a God that will cause a great spiritual awakening in America. And we're going to go outside the four walls of the church and we're going to tell Tallahassee about that God, about that living God. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Woo! If I was in Africa, I'd go, woo! But I'm in Tallahassee, I'll go, woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I serve a God that's alive. I serve a God that's alive. You know, maybe you've never been dead and now alive. I witness out of, I have to tell people about Christ. I have to tell them because my salvation has value. My salvation to me has value. If it's important to you and valuable to you, you'll share it. If your salvation is not, maybe some people have never been forgiven of much. I mean, we're all forgiven of something. But maybe sometimes when people have been forgiven of much, they love more. Don't ever come to church and ever just think, oh, you know, da 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 da. No. I mean, you are going to spend eternity with Christ. You are going to have a mansion made in heaven. God is on your side. He is with you. Even though there's a devil that hates you and is trying to mess with you all the time. We understand that. But you win. You win. A lot of joy happens in the meetings this week, happens, and it's because the Bible says that destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Well, listen, when you're going through something, you definitely don't want to laugh. Why does the Bible say the joy of the Lord is your strength? Think, think for a second. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It, it is, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So in order to be strong, you've got to have joy. The Bible says that destruction and famine, you shall laugh. The Bible says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is what it says. It says, with joy you shall draw forth water out of the wells of salvation. All this is in the Bible. These are all scriptures. You know why the Bible says that destruction of famine you shall laugh? Who'd like to know? Okay. Let me tell you, I'll tell you why. The Bible says that destruction of famine you shall laugh because through the eyes of faith, it's already done. Amen. It's already done. It's already done. Do you see where I'm coming from? In your natural mind, it's not done. you got a lot of stuff you got to worry about and go through. But a destruction of famine, you shall laugh because through the eyes of faith, God's already got the answer done and it's done. So you can laugh. At destruction of famine, you shall laugh. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, sometimes that's all it is. <laughs> and then it'll come right out of your spirit, just like the tongues. It'll come right out of your spirit. Ha, 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 ha. Why? Because it's faith. It's at destruction of famine you shall laugh. Someone says, well, that sounds kind of cardinal. Well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, maybe you, some of y'all never laughed in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. When you laugh in the Spirit, do you know what it is? It's, it's the Spirit of God laughing through you, and it's your mind is saying, I don't know what's going on, but your Spirit saying, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's done. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ho, ho. He, he. For anybody that forgot how to do it. You just, you just put the whole thing together. Ha, ha. Ho, ho. He, he. Ha, 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 ha. At destruction of famine, you shall laugh. Why? Because I got the victory. 
So why don't we just do this real quick? Think about everything the devil's ever thrown at you or is thrown at you right now. Could be finances, family, could be a million things, could be job, could be politics, could be every, I don't know what it is. Who knows what it is? There's a lot of things to be concerned about. Think about destruction and famine and everything that's come your way. Put your hand on your belly. Just do this. Close your eyes. Some hands are further out than others, but I'm not talking about that right now. You know, Pastor Rodney lost 160 pounds, so he jokes a lot about weight because he lost 160 pounds. So that's his joke. I pulled one of his jokes right there. But put your hand on your belly. I want you to think about everything that's coming against you. And the Bible says that destruction and famine, you shall laugh. I just want you to think about all these crazy things that are coming your way. And then as a step of faith, just go, ha ha. Ho ho. He he. Fill me. Now go, ha ha. Ha ha. Ho ho. He he. Now laugh. <laughs> The devil said, what? The devil told you you're not going to make it? <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's a liar. So it must be the opposite, right? Because he can't tell the truth. So if the devil told you you're not going to make it, that means you're going to make it. Is that true? Because he can't tell the truth. Think about everything he's thrown at you and go, ha ha. Ho ho. He he. Now, some of y'all, like me, I feel big time right now. You feel like a bubble in, in your stomach, not in your head. Not in your head, you feel like a bubble. Who felt like a little bubble? Like your belly started to, your spirit man started to, to come up and down a little bit. Go like this. Who speak, who's baptizing the Holy Ghost in this church? With the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Trust me on this. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Everybody on three. One, two, three. Shodivere kushidivere ke. Soma ba ba ba. Kodivere kushidivere. Close your eyes. Shodivere ku. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Hodivere kushidivere ku. Sodivere kushidivere ke. Soma ba 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 ba. Kodinene. Shodinene. Kodivere kushidivere ku. Now at the same time go ha ha. Ho ho, he he, ha 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 And it comes from the same place because it's not an intellect of the mind. Joy is not based on circumstances. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And with joy you shall draw forth water out of the wells of salvation. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. Joy. Filled. That's it. <laughs> joy, joy, joy. Filled. Let it come out. Don't cover your mouth or anything. Phil. <laughs> Phil. This is actually God, just so everybody knows. Phil. <laughs> That's an overflow of the heart. Am I cracking a joke? Am I making, let me tell you a joke. No, I'm not telling you a joke. This is coming out of her. Coming right, is it coming out of your belly? Put your hand on your belly. Phil. <laughs> ha ha. Phil. That's God. You don't think God has an answer for depression? God, our God, doesn't have an answer for depression. But all the commercials on TV are about medication for depression. But our God doesn't have an answer? You give me a break. Ha ha. Phew. How are you doing over here, ma'am? Oh, good. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord's touching you. You needed that. We all need that. Look around. Do you think anybody else needs it? You'll real the joy will really hit you.
Look, you can only do so much in one service. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you shared your testimony? And why are you not doing it anymore? That is the real question. And I believe God's going to brand you this week as you press in. And He's going to take fear and fear is going to go to hell. And He's going to give you boldness and love and compassion and you're going to make an eternal difference. I want everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. You know, we talk about revival. We talk about revival. Revival is about falling in love with Jesus all over again. Now, I know this service went later than what you guys expect. So first of all, I think if you stayed here, you're hungry for the Lord. I, I believe that you're hungry for the Lord just to even be sitting here. I believe that. But let me ask you a question, and I'm talking to everybody here. And I understand this is a great church, great pastors, great. Listen, it, your pastors and, and other people can't get it for you. You know, I'm going to say something as everyone's heads bowed and eyes are closed, and please don't throw anything at me till I finish what I say. Don't ever ask for evangel to have revival. Now, pastor can, because he's the pastor of the church. Really, what you should say is, Lord, let me have revival. Because if the only way a church can have revival is, is if the people are hungry and thirsty and cry out for revival themselves. It's something that you have to look at your own spiritual temperature. You can't look at pastors. You can't look at elders. You can't look at Dr. Rodney. You can't look at anybody. You have to look at your own heart. And you know what? Revival is about falling in love with Jesus all over again. So instead of praying, Lord, send revival to Tallahassee, even though, of course, we want that, you need to say, Lord, send revival to me, and then Lord, send revival to my family. That's actually the right way to do it. And if everybody received revival, then that's the one accord, one place, one sound. That's where revival comes from. And you have to look at your own heart. And if you're in this place right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. You can't get saved because you go to church or because your parents are on fire or your grandparents or anything. You have to have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ yourself. You have to call upon His name and repent of your sins, and only you can do that. Nobody can do it for you. And nobody's going to be standing there with Jesus with you. It's going to be you and Him. And that's it. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray today you'll make that decision. A lot of people are saying we're in crazy times. Yeah, it's called the last days. And Jesus is going to split that eastern sky. And it could happen today. It could happen 10 years from now. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it could happen today. Are you ready to meet him today? I'm going to tell you, this calls not for somebody else. This calls for you. If you're in this place and you have never called upon his name and a personal intimate relationship with Christ, if you're not saved, you're not born again, this is your call. But now there's others in here. And everybody with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to listen very close to what I say. You love God. You're saved. But let me ask you a question. Jesus himself, Jesus Christ, Son of God, said in Revelation chapter 3, speaking to the church, not to unsinners, to sinners, not to sinners, but to the church. He said, I know thy works, and thou art neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now that's Jesus Christ speaking to the church. So Jesus would be speaking to us here, the church. And he said, I know thy works. You are not hot, and you are not cold. You're basically lukewarm, which means you fit into church here and you fit into the world out there. And if you're lukewarm, Jesus himself said he'd spit you out of his mouth. I don't know about you, but when you spit something out of your mouth, you usually don't pick it up and put it back in. 
So I'm going to ask you a question in this place. What is your spiritual temperature according to what Jesus said? I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. But you have to, if you really honestly want revival and you want change and you want to achieve everything that God's called you to do, then I'm going to ask you a question on a scale of one to five, five being red hot and fire for Christ. What is your relation? What is your, what is your spiritual temperature? Is it a three? Is it a four? Is it a 4.5? I've had people say negative three. I've had many Christians say one or two. Is it a five? Five red hot on fire for God winning souls? Listen very close to me. We will have revival with whoever wants to have it this week. The hungry and the thirsty will receive everything that they need to receive this week. But in this room right now, what is your spiritual temperature? A lot of people talk about backslidden. Backslidden isn't just when someone falls into sin and runs off with somebody or whatever. Backslidden is actually being a Christian year after year after year and actually having no fruit and not going forward with the things of God. Jesus even said about his father, about cutting the, cutting the branches off that don't produce fruit. Listen, you going forward with God means you're not backslidden. That means you're continually growing, you're continually learning, you're continually winning souls, you have more fruit in your life. As a Christian, that's what's supposed to happen. So if you're in this place and you've grown cold, someone said, how can that happen? You hang around the wrong people. The wrong people will put your fire out. Calamity will put your fire out. This election could have put your fire out. It doesn't matter. Somebody could have said something about you that put your fire out. Someone could have gotten a car accident. Someone could have got divorced. Someone could have lost a job. Some, some terrible thing could have happened to somebody. And, 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 and it ended up putting your fire out. But I'm here to tell you, you need to, you need to bring it all back and put it at the altar and come back to God. And you need to say, God, I want to be on fire. I want to be red hot on fire for you. I'm going to take all my sin and everything and the cares. I'll tell you the number one thing that puts people's fire out, offense. Somebody offended them, especially if it's a pastor or someone in the ministry or whatever, or a family member. The Bible is very clear about offense brings a snare. You can never get offended. Your Bible declares that you must forgive. Seven times 70 in a day. You cannot hold grudges. You cannot be in strife. You cannot be unforgiveness. You cannot be prejudiced. These are scriptural foundations. What's your spiritual temperature? One to five, winning souls. If it's not five, then you need to bring it all to the altar and say, come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I give it all to you. Brand eternity in my heart and let me do whatever you've called me to do. And then thirdly, if you're in this place and the devil's always lying to you and telling you you're not saved, if you fit into any one of these three categories, will you be willing to obey God regardless of what people say? The Lord told me one time, tell my people, you know, that they're always faking it till they make it, but it doesn't work like that with God. If you are ashamed of God, he'll be ashamed of you. If you fit into any one of those three categories without any hesitation, right now, put your hand to heaven now in this place. Do it now on any one of those three invitations. Put it across. Put it up to the Lord. Someone says, what what will people think? Well, how about what will Jesus think? Let's just go there for a second. How about what will Jesus think? Put your hand up to heaven. Any one of those three invitations. Salvation, rededication, or to give him every area and be a five and red hot on fire for him or to know for sure. I want you to put your hand up across this whole place. This is how revival starts. Make no mistake about it. The gateway into revival is called repentance. Listen, I'm telling you. I want everybody to put your hands down. I want everybody to look at me. On this section, these two sections right now, you did not raise your hand. 
your heart's beating, you know the Lord's speaking to you, maybe you're concerned about what people say or do, or you might even be have been in the church a long time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter, does it? A hundred years from now, it doesn't really matter. If you want to be included in these three invitations I'm praying for and you did not raise your hand yet, raise your hand right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, ma'am. Good, good. Who else? In this section, these two sections, you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer. I'm going to pray for those three invitations. Raise your hand now. Thank you, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, not sure if that's a hand, but thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you, buddy. Come on, man. That's awesome. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. The Lord's speaking to people. Listen, you just want to come to church and do your duty, then you should have left at noon because I went overtime. But if you're hungry and thirsty for God and you want your eternity to count, then you better just do whatever God tells you to do. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.